Hello, ladies and gentlemen. It's Michael uh, C. Bouchard, the host of uh, Night Stalker Podcast, episode 44. In this episode, we are going to discuss, in short, the uh, Oxford uh, High School shooting in Michigan, which occurred a few days ago. Um, I first have to note that uh, I watched about a 45-minute interview uh, with the Oakland County Sheriff, Michael C. Bouchard. Uh, no relationship to me, but um, I have to say, out of uh, my 30-something years in law enforcement and seeing a lot of uh, interviews by media concerning crime scenes and especially school shootings, I have to say that uh, this particular sheriff uh, was on point. Um, his responses were good. His knowledge was good. Um, his ability not to provide investigative information to the media was good. Um, and what people have to understand is a, a person uh, with a rank of whether chief, sheriff, or whatever have you, you have to realize that, you know, when you have a critical incident, let's say a school shooting, first units that normally arrive are patrol units. Police officers, marked cars, uniforms. Um, in this case, there were SROs in the school. However, I'm little... I'm not sure, based on the description that was given, um, it said private security. Now, in my state, in Connecticut, an SRO is a certified police officer. They are not considered private security. <clears throat> I do know we do have school systems in our state that do have armed security. So I'm not sure exactly the exact function or title of the SROs that were there. So I'm going to leave that uh, as it is. But as far as the presentation on the media footage I saw, um, I think the sheriff himself did an exceptionally good job. I apologize. I keep getting interrupted every time I, I try to make, make a clear statement. Um, so as I'm finishing that statement, yeah, I'm not sure exactly what their... Um, exact um, position in the line of law enforcement they were in or maybe they weren't in. Um, You have to understand one thing and uh, you know with the exclusion of the incident that happened in Florida a couple years back um, normally in a school shooting the proper response for any law enforcement personnel and, and and I would hope even armed security would be to quickly engage the suspect whether it's to well let's face it in most in most cases the, the, the engagement is to stop the threat I'll leave it at that. 
however that's done. Um, you know, we are fortunate in some respects, like in this, the city I work in, we have probably a couple thousand cameras in the schools and our department, even prior to arriving to a critical incident or a serious incident, uh, have the ability to um, patch into what we, we we know as a fusion center who monitor uh, all of the cameras throughout the city and the school district. So um, for us, it's a benefit to help track movement of uh, suspect or suspects. Um, you know, in this, in this case, I don't know what the the uh, surveillance surveillance footage capability was, but I'm sure it was um, <clears throat> I'm sure it was in place because they did uh, was mentioned that they, they do have footage. So, um, and you have to realize also that you know when you're involved in a situation like that. Now, now I was an SRO for eight years, so I'm kind of familiar with. Excuse me again. Okay, back again. Let me try to pick up where I left off. You have to understand, when patrol enters the school, now normally in a situation like that, the school is in a condition, what we call lock-in, lock-out, which means everybody that's outside is locked out from coming in. Everybody inside is locked out from leaving, and the class the classrooms, offices, and anything with a door should be secured. With that being said, the officers enter the school. Depending on the number, they can develop a tactical pattern of movement through the school, um, attempting to locate, usually by hearing gunshots or movement, or being uh, fed information off a camera system where the suspect is. Uh, If the suspect is not immediately identified, what normally happens is each room that is not secured is entered. Okay, um, I did a did I did a couple episodes on. Um, back, you know, how the student should react in a situation like this, um, you know, that can be found in an earlier, uh, earlier feed I did, um, <clears throat> and, and the sheriff was right about the uh, charge of terrorism, I mean, you know, nothing for nothing, but, um, you know, a person doesn't have to get hit by a bullet or injured to be terrorized, I mean, um, you you would be surprised in, in a situation like that how many, even though you know the shootings usually last under seven minutes, um, how traumatized a person can be from uh, a situation like that, uh, and it often can lead into post traumatic stress syndrome, uh, depression. So. You know, even the individuals that aren't fatally 
shot or injured are still victims. Um, it's unfortunate in this case we had um, four students at the time I was listening that were fatally injured. Um, four that were injured in critical or near critical condition and one teacher that was also injured. Um, you know, when you start reviewing the case, um, you know, my biggest thing is the, the, the communication factor. Um, okay, I'm back again. This is this is ridiculous. These people just won't stop coming. I don't know what's, what's wrong with them today. They can't read signs, apparently. Um, you know, recording is a hard sign to read. It's a, such a large, intimidating word, I suppose. Um... So, as I was saying, you know, um, what occurs in several minutes will take months and years to play out in the court system. Uh, the response uh, inside the school, you know, as I said earlier, um, it's not a case of waiting for backup to get there. It's not a case of strategically planning before you go in. Um, itchy enter and react. Simple as that. Enter, react, and engage. That's that's how that's how it's done. Um, what I wanted to get back to, as I had mentioned earlier, pre-warning signs. You know, in general. Uh, in this case, there, with the exception of a, a few days prior to the shooting, um, there hadn't been any uh, noticeable behavior issues with this, uh, this student. <clears throat> However, you know, a, uh, a forensic search of uh, his phone records, his accounts, and uh, computer you know, may suggest otherwise uh, down the road. Um, with that being said, you know, um, the student was in the school the prior day and there were behavioral issues addressed. <clears throat> the parents... that day attended a uh, parent-teacher meeting with, with the student for behavioral issues. However, uh, from my understanding was that more than likely the firearm had, had been already brought into the school. Um, my, thought, my thought process on this is, is something a little different. Yeah, I think this episode is just going to be cut up by clips. Um, have to apologize. We have people that you know can't read signs to recording. Stay away. This kind of stuff. But, um, you know, in this case, the firearm was uh, probably in the school already prior to the parent-teacher meeting. However, I think one of the, the key things you have to look at is when a parent-teacher 
meeting like this occurs, <clears throat> the student should be required to leave with the parents. They shouldn't be allowed open access or put back into the student population until the <clears throat> issue, whichever it may be, is, is resolved. Um, it's just it's just a bad mixture. It's a bad you know this is this is the thing these are the things that happen. Um, unfortunately, you know um, in this case it was exceptionally tragic. You know, I don't understand <clears throat> you know and like a lot of these instances, um, younger people, especially juveniles, having access to firearms. I mean, um, my state is probably one of the toughest, um, has probably the toughest requirement for uh, securing and storing firearms. Uh, myself, although my, my kids are older, <clears throat> 18 and, you know, above, uh, I require any firearm that they own to be um, stored in a vault with a uh, thumbprint access only. Um, you know, I don't allow. That's just in the event that if you know he ha they happen to have friends over, <clears throat> younger children over. There's no access to firearms. Even even my duty weapon is uh, secured in in a place where it's not accessible to um, unknown people, young kids, uh, anything like that. So <clears throat> I think that's an issue that that needs to be addressed. I mean, it, obviously, <clears throat> you know, similar to the Sandy Hook incident, um, you know the um, the firearm was made available to, uh, or accessible, maybe not made available as I, I handle, uh, handing it. Um, the sheriff did talk about one thing that I, I kind of want to kind of, uh, detail a little more. Uh, you know, don't believe that, you know, metal detectors and wanding, will stop firearms from getting into the school. That's just not something that's going on. Um, that's not, that's not a, uh, that's kind of a falsehood. You know, as I had referred to the Sandy Hook incident, it, it was a similar situation. I mean, um, you know, uh, in this case, a student was having behavioral issues, whether you want to consider them, uh, mental health issues, not mental health issues. The issue you had was it was a younger person uh, who was going through some type of emotional crisis issue. Uh, <clears throat> therefore, leaving unsecured firearms around the house uh, is just a recipe for uh, just a bad recipe uh, altogether. Um, and, you know, we never want to see anything like this happen, you know. But, um, 
getting back to metal detectors and, uh, <clears throat> you know, camera surveillance footage, all of this stuff. You know, the issue with metal detectors and the problem is, has always been that, um, you know, firearms can be passed through the, um, through the windows, open doors, <clears throat> access to individuals, uh, by doors that have been, um, propped open prior to, uh, individuals entering, uh, access doors, uh, <clears throat> as other people exit the building, you know, there's just a, a, a large amount of variables that, that occur. Uh, and unfortunately, you know, it's hard to prevent everything. You know, it's just, it's just probably, it's not possible. Um, but I think my overview of watching the response, law enforcement's response to this, yeah, these people just aren't going to let up today. Uh, I'm going to have to have an episode on how to read a sign. Um, let me just go back a little bit. So, you know, there are so many variables which allow students to the ability to enter schools. Uh, one of the most important things I can preach to the school administrations, to the and especially the parents and the students themselves, um, the response when an, a situation like this happens. You know, um, a lot of times when you have uh, active shooter drills. Uh, you know, I don't want to get down on the students, even the teachers, you know, they act like it's a game. You know, they're sitting there on their cell phones, they're sitting there laughing, this and that. Well, remember, <clears throat> just like an animal, the first thing that a active shooter is going for is the noise. You giggling, you talking to somebody, these are, these are preset patterns. Now, when you have a, a drill... And you think it's okay to goof off. You know, you might be signing your own ticket. And I've seen teachers do it as well. You know, we had one larger uh, high school that we did an active shooter drill in. And we got to a, a room. <clears throat> and part of the room was actually facing the hallway. It showed into a a computer, uh, a computer lab. And where is the teacher during the active shooter? He's sitting at his desk, clearly visible by any suspect in the hallway, typing on his computer. Well, where, where I come from, what do we call that? A fatality. You know, you, you cannot emphasize the importance to take these tests and these drills serious. Seriously, you have to. Um, and then, worse comes to worse, when, you know, if a, if a suspect does get into the classroom, um, you do what you have to do. 
you do what you have to do. Whether you all have, you know, first, make sure you barricade the door with everything. Desks, chairs, whatever you can put in front of the door. <clears throat> the harder the access, the more likely they're not coming through. Um, if they do make it through, you know, game on. Whatever you have to do. Think about what you got in the classroom. Laptops. <clears throat> fire extinguishers. Things with points. Things that are heavy. You know, at that because at that point it becomes a survival of the fittest. You know? And the reality of it, that's what it is. Survival of the fittest. Um, you know, a lot of people, a lot of parents freak out when I say this to kids, but, you know, somebody has to. You know, when, when this type of uh, incident occurs, it's, it's, <clears throat> it's not a game. In most cases, law enforcement is there, fa is there pretty fast. In some instances, the, depending on the distance, the size of the department, men on the road, the response time might not be that quick. So you have to do what you have to do. And on that note, I will leave you with episode number 44. Excuse me for all of the uh, interruptions. Uh, we have signs posted all over here, recording, quiet. Um, and apparently uh, nobody reads the signs. So on that note... Uh, in a dark parking lot, dark alleyway, dark room, anywhere dark, and you hear footsteps coming up behind you, the first thing you got to ask yourself is, what the hell am I doing here? And just be aware because you never know what their intent might be.